Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Lord Jesus, you who are the light of the world, illumine the path before us that we may read, hear, and proclaim what the scriptures reveal in our hearts today. Amen. We read now from John's gospel, the first chapter, the sixth through the eighth verses, and then we'll skip to the 19th through the 28th verses. Let's hear the word of God together. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. This is the testimony, verse 19, given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. Uh, This may sound like a strange story to begin the third Sunday of Advent, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, When I was uh, 15 years old and my brother was about 11, the uh, Clinton-Gore campaign for their second go-round, the Clinton-Gore campaign came to our hometown, to Covington. Now, the city of Covington was a mixed bag of folks, but we all, Democrats and Republicans, rallied together to get ready for this incredible visit. Nobody could remember when any president, sitting president, had come to Covington. We had word that some had driven through Covington, some had flown over Covington, but no president had ever come to the square to see everybody in Covington. 
So years of work were crammed into just a few months by very excited people. My brother and I would ride our bikes up to the square every day for months to just watch people washing these old, dirty brick buildings. They were cleaning their windows. They were clearing out sheds and doing all sorts of things, people doing everything you can imagine to get ready for this presidential visit. The newspaper even published the route of the motorcade and encouraged property owners along that route to paint at least one side of their house in their building so we would look good on camera, okay? (laughs) Nobody painted all four sides of their houses. (laughs) Even the courthouse only got freshened up on two sides, just the two sides that would be on camera. That's just all we could afford to do. My brother and I helped one lady on the other side of the square. We helped her get a bunch of junk off of her front porch, including a refrigerator and a washing machine that she kept out there. We put it on her back porch. And then when we got through, we had to put it back because she liked it on the front where she could talk to people while she was doing her laundry. So that's just what we had to do. The sidewalks in Covington got washed for the first time anybody could remember. Somebody painted a mural of Tipton County on the side of a building. It is still there today. We saw it at Thanksgiving, but now the middle part of the county has kind of fallen out onto the ground. The plaster got old and just fell out on the ground. The water tower got painted, and they put City of Covington on it, really not purple and gold. That was our high school colors. Oh, it looked so good up there. And the city somehow managed to scrounge up enough money. I think they got a little money from the state, and they paved Main Street, North Main, from the highway up to that one side of the square so the president would have a smooth ride in. This is how we did it. We did not pave the way out, only the way in. So... We felt like we were ready, a lot of work to get ready. The day of the visit came, and everybody went up to the square. We were all up there waiting all day. We just assembled on the square to get ready. The Secret Service folks came in about three hours before the motorcade was to arrive. They secured the square on all the sides, and then they herded us back down South Main like cattle, just literally pushed us back down South Main because we all had to go through security to be able to be in the crowd to greet the presidential party. It was overwhelming for a 15-year-old. We just thought it was the greatest thing ever. We couldn't take any bags or bicycles or anything extra, so all of us kids had to just leave our stuff piled up in front of the courthouse, and we did. We just It was a huge pile of stuff. The secretary from the Baptist church came out and said she would watch over all of it because she wasn't going to see him anyway. So we, we just left it all there, and it was all fine when we came back. By the time we got through security and got to the north side of the square, uh, Secret Service agents were on top of all the buildings. So so amazing to see that in Covington. Uh, We were standing by a woman named Miss Hattie Yarbrough, a longtime librarian in Covington. She was in her late 80s. She told us that she had met and shook hands with every president since Franklin Roosevelt. What an astounding thing. She told us all about it. She was dressed to the nines, had a lovely hat on and white gloves. She was ready. We, we listened to her for a while, and then we saw the motorcade and these two massive tour buses coming up North Main to the square. We got so excited. We were finally going to get to see them. When, when Bill and Hillary and Al and Tipper jumped out, oh goodness, we were overwhelmed. They just jumped out of those buses and started working that crowd down through the line. It was, it was like we were in that old campaign commercial. Do you remember that campaign commercial? 
I believe in a place called hope. That's what we felt like, like we were right there in that campaign commercial with Bill Clinton. That's what we thought was happening. Preparing the way, preparing the way. It's hard work, isn't it, to prepare the way. We meet John the Baptist today in the first chapter of John's Gospel, which, of course, is written by a different John. We learn some things about John the Baptist. He was sent by God as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him, the light. John was testifying to the true light, which will enlighten everyone, which is coming to the world. John is out in the wilderness, the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance, and people are paying attention to him. He is offering an invitation to prepare your hearts and lives for the coming of the Lord, the Messiah, the Savior, to live differently because of this good news you are hearing out in the wilderness. That's what, what he's doing out there. The religious officials back in Jerusalem why, they are very troubled by all this. There's a lot of stir happening out in the wilderness. False messiahs were very common. And so they knew if left unchecked, this possible new false messiah could cause great trouble for these religious officials whose very happy lives were maintained as long as the Jewish people continued to just play nice with their Roman conquerors. John's actions clearly needed a religious investigation, a religious investigation by the Jewish governing body, the Sanhedrin. These are the religious officials John mentioned. Now, the Sanhedrin was then controlled by the family of Annas, the high priest. These were, these were Sadducees, a political party called Sadducees. It's a little bit like having Democrats and Republicans. We know about this. We had Sadducees and Pharisees back in the first century. The Sadducees tended to be a little more liberal theologically and more concerned with the day-to-day, and the Pharisees were more conservative and paid very careful attention to eternal consequences of religious happenings. It's almost certain that Annas and the Sadducees authorized this religious investigation and then sent a committee, a representative committee, including the Pharisees. You see, you see, both parties were threatened by what John was doing out in the wilderness. He was operating outside of sanctioned activities, and both parties needed for him to stop. They just needed for him to stop and go home. That's what they wanted him to do because, because he was stirring up all kinds of... Tr- all kinds of hope, and we all know how dangerous hope can be. They needed him to stop doing that. The confrontation is very serious. Who are you? He answers, I am not the Messiah. Are you Elijah? I am not. Now, in their defense, John's own daddy said that his boy would have the spirit and power of Elijah, Malachi 4, 5, suggests Elijah's return before the great and terrible day of the Lord. But John says, I am not Elijah. Are you then the prophet? This is a question coming from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, uh, answered a little better in Acts chapter 3. They are referring to the Messiah again in kind of an oblique way. No, John says, I am not the Messiah. Who are you then? What do you say for yourself? John quotes Isaiah, actually part of what we read last Sunday, the Pharisees had a very high view of Isaiah and would have been hard-pressed to silence John when he says, I am the voice of one 
crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Make straight the way of the Lord. They have to shift strategies here. I don't know if you noticed that in the reading. John doesn't say anything which gives them permission to silence or condemn him, so they just question what he is doing. They say, if you're not the the Messiah, and if you're not Elijah, why are you out here baptizing people? Why are you doing that? The priests are responsible for baptizing. They oversee the ritual actions and the purification rites. John is messing in their knitting, and they don't like it at all. John answers, I'm out here just, I'm just putting water on people. That's what I'm doing. I just get to administer the sign of that which is coming. But among you stands one whom you do not know. I am not worthy to untie his shoes, the one who is coming after me. John has just the sign. Jesus is the light that is coming. Now, We can go back again to what John's daddy, Zachariah, says about him in the beginning of Luke's gospel. He says, he says, and you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. The religious leaders of Jesus and John's day, they, they did not lead with forgiveness, mercy, light, or peace. They led with fists clenched around the power they had amassed from the empire which ruled over them. They led with guilt, shame, darkness, death, and anti-peace. That's what they led with. The one for whom John is preparing the way will save his people from this mess in a completely unexpected, graceful, light-filled, peace-driving way that will cut to the center of every human heart so that the love of God can get in there and clean this whole creation up from the inside out. That's what Jesus is going to do. Sometimes we Religious leaders forget about that. Sometimes we religious people forget about it too. That's why we tell these stories over and over and over again. Oh, how I remember standing there by my little brother with Miss Hattie Yarbrough. The closer the presidential party got, the more the people pressed in, trying to shake a hand, get a hug. All at once, Adam and I were blocked out. Adam couldn't see. He was too short. And and I I wasn't the most assertive person at 15 years old with my Coke bottle glasses and gangly limbs. I was devastated. We were going to miss the whole thing. And we were so close. You, You could smell the Secret Service man's right guard deodorant. That's how close we were. But we couldn't get to him. We could not get to him. All at once, Miss Hattie swung around with her cane, grabbed us with a hook, and pulled us right down in front of her. We got to shake all four of their hands, and Tipper Gore even patted my little brother on the head. (laughs) When we realized what had happened, I said, oh, no, Miss Hattie, you didn't get to shake his hand. You didn't get to shake his hand, and he's the last one. 
she said, but you did, but you did. That is enough for this old woman. Maybe you can't be John the Baptist for somebody, but you can be Miss Hattie. You can, all of you can be Miss Hattie. When obstacles block the path of someone taking the hand of Jesus, you can make a way where there was no way. You can make a way with your words, your actions, your prayers, your sacrifices, and especially your kindness. Make straight the way of the Lord, a highway for your God to your heart and to theirs too. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen. Amen.